My name is Karen Thomas. I'm 29 years old and I'm having a quarter life crisis. Join me, my friends, as we observe, laugh, and analyze the issues that we often feel defeated by as 20 to 30 something year olds. Get ready to learn more about this evolving milestone and, most importantly, how to embrace the quarter life crisis. Hi all and welcome back. I can't believe we're up to episode four already of Embracing the Quarter Life Crisis. I have been taking on board more of your feedback and I have tried to tweak my opening theme in regards to the sound and the volume so it shouldn't be significantly louder than the rest of the content like I've previously been told so fingers crossed for that. I am going to invest in a microphone in the next week or so to give me that more professional sound, fingers crossed, but for now I'm still borrowing the one from school, so thanks Amy. I just wanted to say a huge thank you to those of you who've been making comments and providing me with either personal or public feedback via Facebook. Also to friends of mine who are spreading the word and sharing the podcast on either their own Facebook pages or via Twitter or Instagram. Now, that being said, the fact that today's episode is pretty much about my love, hate, 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 hate relationship with social media is somewhat ironic, but hey... As the show title suggests, it's complicated. So some people may be naively thinking, what on earth has social media got to do with having a nervous breakdown in your 20s? And the simplest answer to that is um, everything. Just so I wasn't coming into this with my own skewed view of the whole matter, I've been on a semi-covert operation this week, which basically involved me getting my friends to talk about their views and experiences of it, in particular Facebook. So the best response I got was from um, one of my best friends who lives over in the UK. And she actually hasn't been on Facebook for three years. And when I asked her why she wasn't on there, even though I think I know, I asked her still why she wasn't on there. She said, quote unquote, I don't want to feel depressed looking at everyone's fake fucking happiness. Boom. And as far as I'm concerned, there it is. The contradiction and the complexity that is social media, that is Facebook. We don't want people's fake happiness to make us miserable. So that is what we're going to kind of unpick and explore and see where we actually get a concept like that from. Because obviously social media wasn't designed to make us feel miserable. But I think you can all agree it does a pretty good job. Now, at a surface level, the observations you'll make generally consist of social media being annoying just for that reason basically because we identify that it kind of does um make us miserable at some points and you know that we 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 kind of can't keep away from it which is like the the second surface level point of it being highly addictive 
Take it the next level down and you might be able to identify that it makes you depressed or anxious. Down another level and you become aware of feelings of insecurity and low self-esteem. Just from those observations alone, you can see why social media and the emotional package that it comes with can play havoc on your state of mind during a quarter life crisis. Now, moving on just slightly, based on the variety of articles surrounding this area, I've narrowed the major cause of all those reactions down to two things. Addiction, which I think you would probably preempt yourselves, and something that I call virtual validation. Now, these two things, I believe, go hand in hand with one another, and they're quite the force to be reckoned with. So I'm now going to kind of get to the next level in terms of trying to explain and unpack and unpick this. I did say last week that we are going to be looking at the psychology behind it. So I need you to stay with me here whilst I try and, and explain this to you guys. So let's start with what we all know. Social media in particular, Facebook, is addictive. Why? The two major players in this are what you call the dopamine and the opioid systems in your brain. Dopamine is a chemical that causes you to seek out or to want or to desire and it's generally goal-directed behaviour. So gimme, gimme, gimme. The opioid system is responsible for making us feel pleasure and then actually liking what we get. So according to researcher Kent Berridge, the wanting system, so in brackets dopamine, pushes you towards the action and the liking system, in brackets opioid, allows you to feel satisfied and therefore puts that seeking behavior on hold for a while. So just adding a bit of context to that, when you use Facebook or Instagram, what you're effectively doing is craving some form of gratification and you are getting your fix through the instantaneous nature of social media. You can tweet about a television program you're watching in that live moment and get a response. You wanna learn how to create the perfect eyebrow shape? Just type it into YouTube. Need to avoid marking work? Throw a text message out there and just wait for the response. You want the latest update on your ex's sister's boyfriend? Start snooping on people's Facebook walls. All fun and play at the moment, right? Where the problem occurs, however, is the fact that our dopamine system is stronger than the opioid system. So in other words, we tend to want more than we actually like. And I hope that makes sense because it, 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 it did to me and I'll, I'll, I'll put it in another way, like we're not actually satisfied with being satisfied. Yay for us. And so I, that got me thinking, surely, that has to explain the scroll factor. You know, the one with your good old index finger upwards scrolling into the abyss for God knows how long. And then that in itself is a good example of what you call a dopamine loop. So the dopamine gets you seeking, which you then get rewarded for, which means you continue to seek. And there, my friends, is the addictive nature of social media explain. Whew. All those still listening say aye. Aye. Moving on to virtual validation. I'm just gonna give you a couple of scenarios slash questions to, to think about, to set the, set the scene if you like. So it's a Saturday night, you're headed out around town and you're looking pretty fly. 
you take a selfie and you post it to Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat, whatever. Okay, that's the first one. Secondly, you're watching your favorite piece of reality television and in response, you post your witty yet widely observed social commentary on there. Now, in both of those situations, and be honest, how do you feel if you get zero likes? Or even worse still, like one sympathy like, you know, from your biggest fan, because everyone has a Facebook fan, right? Or an Instagram fan who just likes everything that they put up. Now, if the majority of people are being honest with themselves, I would think that you'd end up feeling a mixture of self-doubt, a bit of embarrassment, and then sometimes a bit of disbelief. You know, why ain't people liking my shit? That kind of thing. Now, think about the opposite. 10 likes, 25 likes, 50 million likes. And all the while, you've got the equivalent of this cheesy grin emoji going off in your brain, a bit like a Cheshire cat. And so why is it that that is so rewarding to us all? Yeah, because it means our thoughts, our feelings, and therefore our lives are being validated by our online community or our virtual reality. So hence why I'm coining the phrase virtual validation, even though it may already exist. Now, there is absolutely nothing wrong with your social media family of between 500 and 1,000 some genuinely liking what you have to say or what you look like. Where I am actually concerned is the reliance on that to prove to yourself and others that your actual reality is more glamorous or successful or exciting than it really is. And let's face it, we all do it. Yeah, we, we all put up our best bits. And funnily enough, just whilst I was like kind of getting all this together, I thought about um, a hilarious Chris Rock skit. And he talks about um, the idea that relationships are difficult to maintain. And the reason why they're difficult to maintain, because we can't keep up the lie. And essentially when you're meeting someone for the first time, you're not actually meeting them you're just meeting their representative. And, you know, social media has the same effect, I think. We create personas and we encourage this disparity between our self-image, which is how we see ourselves, and then our ideal self, which is how we want to be seen. And I'm not saying that the two are always miles apart, but I only have to look at my selection of Instagram pictures to think, Jesus Christ, I'm attractive. But what you don't know is that it took me 30 pictures to get the perfect selfie or how all the pictures I was caught at, at an ugly angle were deleted and how I posted a picture of my insane abs but I happened to be breathing in and tensing and adding the X-Pro filter to create my muscle definition. <gasps> shock, shock, horror, I know. But we do this and so assuming that the majority of us are acting this way when it comes to social media and it's just our best bits there is a certain level of falseness to it and what are we left with online suburbia where our 
peers have great relationships they relish in the ease of motherhood they travel to beautiful and exotic parts of the world they work out to get the perfect bodies they take flawless model shots have great jobs and everybody is hashtag loving life mm-hmm the knock-on effect of this being that we start the subconscious and sometimes conscious comparison with other people and if our true self-image or identity catches wind of the fabulous lives of others I think that's when it starts um, the, the process of planting seeds for low self-esteem or anxiety to grow so when all is said and done for anyone currently going through a quarter-life crisis I really do not think social media, especially Facebook, will do you any favours. So I personally think taking a break from it full stop and backing away is the best way forward. Seriously, you know, I remember when I would wake up, my alarm would go off at six o'clock in the morning and by the time I'd had my daily fix of social drearier, it'd be like 25 past six. 25 past six. 25 minutes. For what? Really and truly. And you don't have to be a mathematical genius, even though I obviously and clearly worked this out prior to recording, that that's two and a half hours per week. And that's not including my routine checks throughout the working day and then that heavy binge that you tend to have on an evening. And it just all comes down to effective use of time, which could be spent so much better doing other things, you know, read a book. For those of you who can't really imagine living without it, then Mali girl, you in danger. Now, in all seriousness, um, we literally live hand to pocket, hand to phone on a, on a, on a regular basis. And so um, I, I don't think it's always that easy just to cut off from it, even though I think it's the right thing to do. Um, so I've devised a few tried and tested tips about how to embrace the existence of it because it's kind of not going anywhere. So firstly, um, this is a kind of, if you can't beat them, join them, which again is somewhat um, contradictory to this whole episode. But then again, I did say it's complicated. So, you know, there you go. So if you're a voyeur of social media, and by that I mean the type who scrolls and noses, but never posts nor likes, why don't you actually try posting something interesting or fun you saw or you did so you're not just over absorbing yourself with as Laura would say everyone else's fake happiness um you know remember from a scientific point of view or a psychological point of view there is a certain level of gratification that you actually get from um posting and I have noticed that less frequent posters tend to get more praise just watch out um, as that could lead to addiction. Also, you will have probably noticed that your audience, your crowd, interestingly enough, they actually like good news. So if you have got something positive to say, you will actually get that validation. And it, it's almost like, yeah, the virtual pat on your back, which again, I don't think is necessarily always a bad thing. 
the other thing that you could do is delete the app. It takes longer to load Facebook and log in from your internet browser than what it does to actually just tap that application and put that open. And also the scroll feature doesn't seem as smooth. So I personally find that a great deterrent. Yeah, the only problem then is if you just find yourself tapping onto Safari button and it's already on the Facebook page. Hmm, interesting. But speaking of scrolling anyway, you can actually, and this is true, I did actually do this. I, I, it, I got to this point and I, I have to do this with myself. Interesting, when I'm on holidays, I don't do it. When I'm at school, when I've got all the things to do or when I've got a priority and nosing up on people's walls isn't that priority, um, I have to literally put in place my scroll limits. So I will allow myself, what, up to about three finger scrolls per binge and then at least that way, I'm less likely to come across news that's either gonna A, make me feel annoyed, or B, better still, make me feel jealous. <laughs> Woo! So, I actually could have spoken about this topic for ages because I think there is a lot of room for a lot more um, content of this, but in, in different episodes. And I think what I've mentioned today was literally just like the tip of the iceberg. And like you said, I just wanted to almost find a theory as to what it was that was actually happening and why do those feelings emerge as a result of, you know, watching what people are doing. And some of it, yeah, I think is a bit of common sense, but some of it I actually do think has some um, pretty good psychological or physiological even um, evidence to back it up. So I just want to say that the social drearier struggle is real. Yeah. But for now, because I want to shut this down, um, if you have an opinion on anything that was mentioned today, you can email me at eqlcoutlook.com. You can find me on Facebook. Um, embracing the quarter life crisis you can follow me on instagram at embracing qlc you could also follow me on twitter at embrace the qlc and you could say something really interesting and maybe hashtag it's complicated in one of your comments or even in the show notes on my website which is www.embracetheqlc.com last piece of social media um, expose is I am now on iTunes yes I am I'm on iTunes so if you a lot of people have been asking me oh, do I have to pay for it now no you don't have to pay for it I wish I was that special um, you just have to for those who are not too tech savvy you just have to download the podcast app on your phone and then if you type embracing the qlc into the search field you should be able to find me which is very very exciting now in recording time i'm actually embracing my quarter life crisis to the maximum tomorrow as i'm going to be flying out to thailand for a week shout out to the mcdermott model who i shall be traveling with I'm hoping I'll be inspired to create a fitting episode for um, um, number five and as of yet I don't actually have one but I'm sure that amongst 
the lady boys and the ping pong shows and the elephants and the boxing and all the fun things that Thailand comes with I'm sure I will think of something to talk about now if you are still here thank you for hanging out with me and hopefully I will be speaking to you again soon see y'all later bye